Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Thank you, JJ, for that introduction. And I want to thank all my listeners today from all around the world, the United States, Canada, United Kingdom, Norway, Germany, India, Israel, Australia, France, Denmark, Spain, Sweden, South Africa, Rwanda, Senegal, Ireland, Burundi, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Pakistan, and on the list goes, just to name a few. I appreciate each and every one of you who listen to this show. And when you leave your comments and your reviews, it means a great deal to me personally and also helps the show's success. So a big thank you to all of you. With me today is Glenda Oakley Cook. Glenda is a transition strategist a leadership coach, and a marketplace mentor, and an author. She uses her experiences as an army brat to help women take command of their lives to create the life they desire. And she's going to share all of these, uh, say all of these things that she does in these different categories today. She is a combat veteran with a net worth of over half a million dollars by the time she was 30 years old. And Glenda believes that you can achieve anything. And I totally agree with her. That is what this show is all about. Anything with determination, dedication, and discipline. She has been featured on over 40 websites and publications, including the hit TV show Friday Night Tykes. Welcome, Glenda. Thank you for that introduction. That was awesome, Carol. I appreciate it. Oh, well, we're just so excited to have you. And as I was looking over your bio, you are an accomplished young woman. I know that you're going to have a lot to share, and that's what our listeners want. They want answers. They want uh, techniques. They want secrets. And I know that you're going to share them with us today. So the first question I have for you is I assume... Growing up as an army brat, the discipline was a major part of your life as a child. Now, do you continue to use what you learned as a child in your life now? I definitely do. You know, um, as a military brat, uh, children are taught so many different things that people just don't realize. Uh, Resiliency is definitely one of them. Uh, You often move around quite a bit. So you have to have the resolve not only to bounce back from leaving all your great friends uh, in the hometown that you were originally in 
and be able to uh, be resilient and meet new people and yeah. just explore and as well as having that discipline to be able to start your life all over again, basically every time you move. Um, so uh, military brats or, or children, uh, for that matter, are, are very resilient. And I definitely learned that discipline uh, from my parents. Uh, my mother served 15 years in the Army, and my dad actually retired uh, several years ago after serving 31 years in the Army, both on the enlisted side. He retired as a sergeant major, so you can imagine what the household was mm. like back then. <laughs> um, so uh, we moved quite a few places. I was actually born in Panama, um, so I, I've lived out of the country as well, but um being in the military as well is very, very, very busy. And so you don't always have your parents around because Uncle Sam kind of comes first. Mm. So you have to grow up really quickly um, and have that discipline to be able to get the things done that you need to accomplish and be successful at doing it because you might have some repercussions once they do get home. So Now, did you have a problem with uh, rebellion? because of that you know I didn't have a problem with rebellion at 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 all um uh I think I was I think I just had to overcome that and and realize that you know I wasn't necessarily second but I just had to get things done because it was me but I did have a sibling who rebelled a little bit so you know you you can always have two children growing up in the same household and they're not always going to turn out the same right exactly um so my brother did a little rebellion uh, rebelling for that matter. Um, and I just kind of took that grown up approach and it might just me being a woman, (laughs) Uh you know, know, and, um, took the grown up approach about it and just made things happen. So did he ever hear you say that the grown up approach? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) We have a little rivalry. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So at what time in your life did you find yourself in a situation where you knew that you had to overcome any obstacles that you were facing and how you accomplished that, which I'm assuming would also be part of your upbringing. So was that at a very young age? Or give us some examples, maybe. So, you know, I've had a few moments in my life at a very young age, but um, actually I write about the the life-changing moment in uh, the chapter in the book that I'll I'll be talking about a little bit later, and I can give you um, an overview of that right now. So I was uh, 19 years old, actually. I just uh, got down to Florida um, and my college career, if you will. And if you could imagine, I'll rewind back a little bit. High school, like I said, I just made things happen. I've been working since the age of 14. Um, I was a student athlete on the track team. I was the president of my senior class. I, I was always on an honor roll um, in National Honor Society and also leadership development um, organizations as well. And at the age of 19, I found myself pregnant. Um, And I kind of talk about that little story there. And at that moment, you can't rely on anyone else um, Mm. to help you get through that. I was a thousand plus miles away from home and it was just me. So I had to make a really big decision of my in my life and just um, know that it was me and my faith and to figure out how I was going to overcome that and, and be successful doing it. So I did learn some principles at a young age, but that particular moment um, was the life changing moment for me where I knew I couldn't worry about anybody else and it, and it had to be me to make it happen. Now you mentioned your faith. Do you want to share a little, anything about that? Right. So um, 
I'm a strong believer. Um, I actually didn't grow up in the church when I was young, uh, if you will. But I am definitely a strong believer. And I always knew that um, he had my back. And when I needed something, I could lean on him. And so everyone always asks me, you know, how were you 19 years old, over a thousand miles away from home, no family near, and had a young child, was in Army ROTC, getting up three days a week at the crack of dawn to go to physical training um, and being able to take over 21 credit hours, three semester straights and graduating with honor roll <laughs> in over a 3.5 by yourself. Like, how were you able to do that without any public assistance for that matter? Um how did you do that by yourself? And I can only look above and know that it was my faith that got me through. And that's how I was able to accomplish that. So um, I definitely turned to it in, in that moment of need when I had those, those feelings coming up as I got pregnant, trying to figure out what I would do next. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> did you believe Glenda that always believe that you were going to be successful like was this instilled in you or was this just a a, a natural thing that you believed um on your own this was more so uh, a natural thing on my own i mean of course i was a hard worker i would say you know hey i wasn't the smartest you know cookie in the jar for that matter but i was a hard worker um like i said i've been working since the age of 14 but it was a natural thing that i had to figure out that i was going to be successful because there are always um, naysayers and derailers uh, mm-hmm. in your moment of resiliency. And uh, I talk about that a little bit in the chapter as well, where my ROTC professor, um, long behold, was one of those people who told me I needed to drop out of school at that time when I told him I was pregnant. And um, I just had to naturally believe that when people don't believe in me or they tell me something can be achieved, that um, that instinct that I have, I think from being a military brat and overcoming um, different obstacles in the resolve was that it was going to be more of a fuel to my fire, you know, and, and I just couldn't um, let that overcome me and believe in what they said I was going to be. And I had to believe whatever I said my life was going to be and not, not let that be accurate, you know. Right, right. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the book a couple of times, Resiliency. Yeah. Now, was this an anthology of different? Yes. Okay. And and yeah. the stories are basically those who have been resilient and have overcome. Is that what Correct. you're? Okay. Correct. So, and your story was about the time when you were um, um, pregnant, pregnant, right? College, okay. Right. Okay. Any other stories that maybe spoke to your heart that you'd like to share that might interest the listeners to purchase your, that book? Yeah, there's there are um, 11 other businesswomen uh, in the book with me. So 12 overall. And each one of us talks about a, a time in our lives where we had to be resilient. So basically, it's an anthology that chronicles that journey um, of our purpose and our faith. And it basically gives voice to those who suffered through anxieties, especially as women leaders. Um, and knowing that uh, we forget about all the negative perspectives and thrive under pressure to be able to maximize our career and our personal performances. There's one other story in there, and, and it kind of, um, especially, there's 11 others uh, that are really great, but one in particular spoke to me, and it mm. talks about um, workplace bullying. 
Mm. Uh, and I think a lot of us have experienced that in, in our corporate America or in our lives um, as we've gone through the workplace in our journey. So uh, there's a lady in there that talks about workplace bullying. And I've also been through a, a similar situation as well. And she basically shares the tools that um, helped her get through that. And, and mine was just actually not too long ago. And um, as we were writing the book and, and she was talking about her story, it just kind of really spoke to my heart. And I think it can help a lot of other people um, through their journey as well as they, they find their path in their careers. And so that was the one in particular, I think that would, um, that would really help people through. And there are several other ones where there are breast cancer survivors, et cetera, in there, um, or people who may be going through some certain health problems. But the workplace bullying is the one that actually spoke to me. Let's talk about that for a minute because that, yeah. that's a we I have talked on the show very often about bullying in different areas. Now I don't think we've ever talked about it in the workplace. Do you mm. believe that that's mostly because of your gender? I think it has a lot to do with gender. Um, the funny thing, well, not so funny, but the situation that I experienced was from another female. Um, really? Yeah. And it wasn't actually a male for, for the workplace bullying for that matter. And, but I've also experienced it in the military for males. If you can imagine being the age of 22, uh, being charged to lead over a hundred people with 90% are male. Oh. <laughs> and over 80% are older than you mm. for a few situations. So, so how I, did you deal with that? Well, um, at one point in time, you know, I, I couldn't. And a funny thing, my dad was actually deployed to the same base. We were actually in Iraq at the time when this was happening. Um, I had just joined the service and about two months after integrating with my unit, we were deployed to Iraq. So I didn't have a lot of time to basically gain that trust with him. Mm. Um, and so when we were out there, I, I took care of my soldiers, but um, I did go through a situation, uh, which was a male colleague of mine who happened to be underneath my leadership, and I just couldn't be afraid of it. I had to face it head mm. on. And at one point, we basically sat down in the conference room and I ripped off my rank um, because they had to call me ma'am because of the, you know, just the command of leadership <laughs> and the service. I ripped off my rank and was basically, let's put it on a table. We have to get over this. We have troops. We have to lead. We're in a hostile environment and we need to come to a common ground that we can respect each other, um, and be able to work together. And so we went through a moment where he told me how he felt. And I told him my opinion and basically had to come to a mutual agreement that there's a reason why um, the military puts young leaders, even female leaders uh, in charge, you know, at a certain point. And he's in his position and I'm in mine and uh, we have to figure it out together. And we got over it um, and, and everything went well and we all came home. But there are certain things that you just have to do where you can't just kind of um, huddle in your corner and let it get to you. You kind of have to face those challenges head on. So is that what you always recommend is facing it head on, talking to the person who is bullying you in the workplace? Yes. Um, recently in, in corporate America, I did the same thing with the female um, that was bullying me. And you can't just you can't just hide in a corner. We set up meetings or I set up a meeting with her and basically say, help me understand, you know, why are Good. you 
talking to me like this. You know, let's put it on the table and kind of help me explain to me what's going on, what has changed. Um, And although what was happening and and what was coming out of her mouth wasn't accurate, um, I was able to face that at least four times and say, let's be honest with each other and have this conversation instead of running away from it. And after that, I began to document. Um, So that's always helpful, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, (laughs) to document everything that was happening. So if anything ever came up, I was able to present my case. So sometimes you have to basically um, you always want to think people are being good and, and think the good in, in, in everyone. Yes, yes. But when you see something is not smelling right, <laughs> you know, you want to kind of pull out your notes and kind of take note of it, of what's going on, just in case you need to bring it up in the future. But that's also what makes a good leader. Oh, yeah, for sure. And being able to negotiate, I mean, that's also, I'm, I'm sure, one of your um, uh, attributes. Now, did you learn that as a child? I did. I learned that as a child. And I think just through um, my experiences being in the service, you know, at the age of 22, being in charge of 100 people, you kind of have to grow up very quickly. For some reason, you become mom, you know, to a lot of folks. You you are responsible for lives, their livelihood, their health, their morale. Um, And nobody teaches you that. You can't you can't really um, be taught all of that. You kind of have to learn on the job. And so not only did my experiences um, as a military brat help me get through that, but I just think the on a job training um, of being a service, a young service officer uh, helped me learn that as well. So your commanding officer must have seen that in you. Yes. And are you able to see that in others? I am. Um, And that's kind of why I uh, signed up with the John Maxwell team as well to basically teach those leadership principles to others so that they, too, can be successful and and, and instill that in themselves. So I kind of infuse my experiences from my military service and me being a military brat, as well as um, resiliency as being a military spouse with the John Maxwell leadership principles um, to be able to to shine that light on everyone else so that they can see it in in themselves because I'm always able to see that in them. Um, So, yeah, that's just one of the things that uh, our business does. Why don't you share a little bit of the uh, John Maxwell leadership principles? So he, John Maxwell is an amazing person. So he is the global leadership guru and he is known all across the world. He has gone into several countries um, invited by the presidents of those countries to transform uh, their people basically through the leadership principles. And so um, there are several different books that uh, we teach on, um, one being the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership as Mm. well as the 15 Laws of Growth, um, which is really near and dear to my heart. Um, And then uh, one that, you know, everyone communicates, few connect, are are just three of the books that are my favorite. And we basically go through each one of the chapters and and, um, basically break down each one of the laws in, in this book for people to basically understand them a little bit better. And so um, not only do we teach on it, we train on it, we consult on it and go into companies and um, hold mastermind groups for them as well. But my favorite, like I said, is the 15 invaluable laws of growth. And it's just because um, oftentimes in, in corporate America, people are always worried about the performance of their of their employees mm. and you have to be more worried about the growth of them because if they're not happy and they're not growing um, as a person, then they're not going to be able to lead. 
others. So, so do corporations um, have you come and do courses for their employees, or is this strictly something that you do in a one-on-one, or what are your um, as it, you mentioned here, your transition strategist, uh, right. leadership coach, and a marketplace mentor? Are do these all work together, or are yeah. they separate? Okay. Yeah, they, they basically all work together. You can get individual coaching as well. Um, and then there, the mastermind groups are, you know, several people, like-minded people that can work with you and may be able to help you through a few different areas. Um, you can also book as a, a speaker to come in or a trainer, you know, to teach a, a entire audience. Um, but you get the most, I think, from the mastermind and the individual coaching as well. So um, you can do it several different ways to be able to learn the different uh, leadership principles. What is your favorite? What do you prefer, the groups or the individuals? I, I like the group coaching. Um, and the reason why I say the groups is because um, sometimes the person has to be really all in to mm, be able to get it mm. individually. They have to be all in 110, 20%. Um, but I like the groups because sometimes you can see the light come off and someone mm. else that, as they're listening to other people talk about their experiences or those other people are able to to serve as your support system and so that's your accountability partner and right. sometimes people need that and so the group mastermind groups and um, group coaching is always very helpful now is that what you're referring to with the courses um, or are there different courses that you teach as well so that that's kind of what um, we do with the courses right now, and it's it's the mastermind groups, um, and then we go through uh, certain books that John Maxwell has uh, written, and we go through all the laws, and then we work, you know, do some work practice assessments with them as well. Um, so those are the particular courses that I refer to. And the websites that you were featured on, what type of websites, and what what were tell us a little bit about. Um, those features? Well, besides uh, Friday Night Tykes, um, which was a great experience with me and my son, um, I've done uh, some features on CNBC.com and Reuters and uh, Nerd Wallet, All You, um, Retail Me Not. Uh, I was also featured on Wyndham Worldwide for Business Women, um, The Daily Worth, and actually featured in Reader's, Reader's Digest, uh, just to name a few. So um, I talk about several different things in each one of them. A lot of them is money management okay, um, or just tips. Uh, one time I, I, I was featured on a cruise website, uh, actually, because, you know, not only do you work hard, but I like to play hard as well. Uh, so my family <laughs> goes on uh, several vacations. So I, w- I gave a lot of different tips to save folks money um, when they're cruising. Mm. So uh, it just depends. Or in some of those websites I was featured, I was talking about on um, travel tips because with the business, I travel quite a bit and I've learned a few tricks as well. Um, So I've given tips on on when you're traveling, what to do on how to maximize your money as well as maximizing your hotel points um, and your airline mileage. So it's a practical thing as well. Yes. Yeah, it's a practical thing. That's where that's basically what has taught me to be able to get that net worth where it was um, by the age of 30 of just being very practical. And what did did you do investments or what did you do? Actually, I 
participated in my first investment course when I was in college and kind of learned the basics. And I was playing a fake stock market game, actually, and and taking some of my net check that I would get back and um, buying stocks. And I had some really, really good picks back then. And so I've been um, in an IRA and investing since basically the age of 20. Um, and, and that's kind of helped me get that net, net worth uh, where it was. It wasn't, you know, old family money or anything right, exactly. that made that happen. It yes. was basically investments combined with practical um, tools uh, that I use to be able to do that. And so I don't live above my means. I, my, my soldiers used to laugh at me all the time. You know, I was an officer, right? And so they were like, well, why are you driving around in that old Hyundai? You know, <laughs> why aren't you in some more expensive car? And I, you know, I used to say, well, don't worry about me. Don't laugh. You haven't seen my bank account. Right. That, so that Good was for you. Was Good thing. for right. you. I wasn't always shopping and um, buying the latest and greatest and um, worried about designer clothing and handbags. I would put that money into the market um, via investing. Um, And I think that just kind of extinguishes me from, you know, somebody my age. Yes. You know, or my peers to be worried about the right thing. And I had to do that. I had to learn very young. Um, when I had a child at 19, I had to figure out how to manage money very, very quickly to be able to do that with any, without any assistance. Is the next baby a boy or girl? It's a boy. Oh, so two boys. It's a boy. <laughs> so 12 years later, go figure. My husband so, and I are having a boy. Oh, that's exciting. And is he excited? Oh, he is. He's obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> said he's only been asking for it for 12 years so when we okay he said it's about time (laughs) so you'll have to um, post a picture on your site when I will okay Um, now you mentioned that your son was with you in Friday Night Tykes now tell our audience what that is what kind of show etc and a little bit about it yeah so that show actually um, we live in Texas and if you can imagine football is king in Texas it's huge and so um, he was participating in a youth football league here one of the most competitive leagues in Texas and a show called Friday Night Tykes came out and um, they featured five teams or so basically talking about how competitive youth sports is Um, and I did several interviews as a mom um, a big old football mom on the TV show Hmm. just talking about leadership and um, and my son and and what he experiences with the game or with certain coaching styles, etc. Um, and so that was uh, it's on his third season now. They're actually filming right now, but he's not playing football this year. But um, season one and two has already occurred, and I was mostly featured on season two. I see. So I bet you it was fun. Oh, it was always fun. Yes. I mean, you know, you always think of one person, but when you put him in a sports arena. Um, and you get them cheering for your kid, you know, they turn into a completely different person. So you, <laughs> so you kind of see that personality from me. That's true. Yeah. Now, one thing that I read here initially in your uh, bio, it says that you believe that you can achieve anything with determination, dedication, and discipline. Now, those words are often used by people like yourself who have become successful. And I think that very often – People look at it and almost overlook it, saying, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, well, I've heard that before, blah, blah, blah. What sets your uh, particular training apart to help people actually achieve those with with determination and, and dedication and discipline to achieve their goals? 
Right. So you you basically have to um, your experience in something and you have to know why. Right. You you have to figure out what your why is. Um, why do you want to overcome whatever you're experiencing? Um, and why is that happening to you? You need to kind of go through that process first. Um, and then I, I use determination as one of the key attributes for that. And everyone has to know that everything happens for a reason, right? You kind of have to self-reflect and figure out why that's happening um, and find out whatever that motivation is going to be for you um, so that you can use it to de- to drive your success. And at that time, you know, that motivation was my son. Um, that was mm. my why I wanted mm-hmm. to be successful um, in life. And so that's kind of what what we go through. You kind of go through that process at the beginning and you have to do that first and you have to, to get through it so you can move to the next step. And then you kind of have to be really dedicated So whatever that was, when I was in college, I had to schedule things, you know, so that I can know that I achieved all of them. So you either schedule an hour on your calendar twice a week and and you just make that time very sacred so that you don't say, oh, I'll get to it eventually or I'll make that happen tomorrow. But you have to be really um, dedicated to making it happen. So scheduling is huge. So getting that calendar out and literally blocking off time and making it sacred so that you can make it happen. Because if you don't schedule it, you'll keep saying, I'll forget to do it or, you know, thus delaying, you know, your comeback or whatever that is to you overcoming um, what you're going through. And and then the third piece of it is just you have to be very disciplined throughout the entire process. You know, if life were easy, we would all be millionaires, right? Mm-hmm. We all have net worths for over a million dollars. Um, and there are no shortcuts to being successful. There are no shortcuts to being resilient. You have to put in the work. Um, and with work comes discipline. And so to overcome that defeat, you just have to put in the work necessary to get it done. And so um, that also comes at discipline you know, everybody isn't able to do it for themselves. So having an accountability partner to kind of help you uh, achieve that, whether it's your spouse, Mm -hmm. or you know, a good friend, uh, that's always very helpful. That's very good. Excuse me, having an accountability partner, because otherwise it's easy for you to just, like you said, to slough off. Exactly. Helps you in the area, whatever that is, whether it's losing weight or accomplishing a goal, no matter what that goal is, right? Somebody that's going to hold you accountable. Yes. And put that on a schedule, you know, have calls or twice a week calls at a certain time and make it sacred and call you out. You can't have an accountability partner that's, oh, that's okay. Let's let's put it on your list for next (laughs) week. You have to have someone that's going to call you out and hold you accountable um, for you to achieve whatever that goal is. And did you? I did. Um, So my accountability partner was actually... um, one of my best friends and it took me a while to actually get one when I was going through that situation. Um, right now it's my husband and he is not afraid to call me out <laughs> on whatever it is because it is so easy to procrastinate. Mm-hmm. Life, life happens. It gets very, very busy, especially if you have a job and you have a family and you have children who are in sports. I mean, it, you just get bogged down. Um, so he is the one person in my life right now, and especially that holds me accountable for all the things that I say I'm going to do. And he is not afraid to call me out. 
when I um, was going through college and I had my son, uh, it was my friends, uh, one best friend in particular. And then in the service, I had uh, a non-commissioned officer who actually worked for me, who was my accountability partner. Really? Yeah. That's we became, cool. Yeah, we became um, very close. You know, when I was in the military, we were both single parents. Um, she had two kids and, you know, I had one and we would just basically be the backbone for each other um, so that we can get things done and make it happen. So she she was my my rock. Um, and now my husband is my rock and we still converse to this day. Me and my I still call her my NCO, even though I'm not in the military and she <laughs> still is. But I still call her my NCO. And so I'm I'm the rock for her right now. And as she continue her service. Now, is your husband stationed overseas or is he here? So after his second deployment um, to Iraq, he actually transitioned out. Um, and of course, I helped him get a job down in San Antonio. So he moved um, to San Antonio. He transitioned into the military uh, reserves. So he's in the Army reserves right now. And then he works full time in corporate America. All so, that keeps him home then. All that keeps him home for most of the time unless he's activated. So he generally drills once a month, you know, two weeks a year and mm-hmm. any other time that he's activated with the reserves. So. But at least we're able to have a um, what I call a normal life. Yes, a family Um, life, a family life for the most part. And that's very difficult to have uh, when both parents are, are still in the service. So what else would you like to share with us, Glenda? Any any, you know, you just take the floor, whatever you would like to discuss and run with it. Yeah. So, um Resiliency is really huge. I know you talk a lot about that, Carol. Um, And there are three things that I think I would like to leave your listeners with. And so in order to pursue pursue resiliency, you know, you kind of have to realize that there's power in your thoughts. And if you have negative opinions going through your head or you're constantly around people who are negative, um, you kind of have to clear the clutter of all of that. Because if you don't shift your mindset to positive, positivity, then you're not going to be able to overcome whatever challenge you're experience, uh, experiencing. So you just have to really realize that there are power in your thoughts and you have to transition your mindset to positivity so that you can be able to overcome and be successful. And um, another, another key moment or principle, I, I just really want people to understand that whatever obstacle that they have, that they have to overcome, it doesn't define them. So a lot yes. of times people will tell you, oh, you're not going to be successful. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, you're going to fail. Or, you know, at the time I was 19 and pregnant um, and nobody would expect it, that to happen to me. I didn't expect it for myself. You know, people can look ne- uh, negatively at you or look down on you. Um, I still get that because I look kind of young and I still get people <laughs> looking at me with my son thinking I'm 19 years old still <laughs> saying, oh, oh, you have a 12 year old. Yes, I do. I was I was 10 when I had him. Right? Yeah, I was 10. And, and you don't know my resume of what I've been able to achieve since I had him. That's but right. You just have to understand, um, even though I, I thought really bad of myself at that moment, you have to understand that that obstacle doesn't define you. Um, but what you do next does. So the next steps you you take after um, whatever breakdown that is, or after you hit rock bottom is, is what defines you. So you should be defiant in the, in the face of adversity Excellent. And, and really face it head on. Um, and just give yourself permission to fail. 
I mean, life is not perfect. You know, a lot of times we'll look at um, social media and you can look at everybody else's else's lives through that rose colored glass Mm. um, that everything is just peaches and cherries and Uh sunlight and clouds and, you know, just every everybody's lives is is so beautiful. And why isn't yours going the same way? But you have to realize that is social media Uh and everybody does not share their down moments and they're not going to put that on social media. So you can look at the success, but you don't know what the, um, the triumph that they had to, uh, that they had to go through. Absolutely. You don't know the journey that they had to experience. So just give yourself permission to fail and, and find, Find the lesson in it so that you can learn from it. Those are the three things that I think uh, will kind of help your listeners get through whatever it is that they're experiencing. Go ahead. Sorry. That's it. I was just going to say that is just it's just the three things that I think can help them get through whatever they're experiencing. Um, And if they transition their mindset, they will transition their life um, and just be defiant and be resilient. I want to recap these and you tell me if I got them right. Number one is to pursue resiliency. Yeah. And it's the power in your thoughts that you need to clean up. And in other words, clean up the clutter so that your thoughts are positive and not negative. Right. And this will help you to overcome your challenges. Is that like the first one is? Right. Exactly. Okay. Whether okay. it's the people you need to clear out, you know, to, to create a positive circle um, or your thoughts, your leaders, whatever it is in your life, you just need to make that um, very clear so that you can start creating a mindset towards positive, positive thoughts. Right. And the second one I had, do not allow your obstacles to define who you are. Definitely. It's, it's what you do next after you've been to hell and back that right. determines who you are and defines who you are. Okay. Exactly. And be defiant in the face of whatever okay. that situation is. Perfect. Yeah. And the third one is give yourself permission to fail. I think people need to hear that. Yeah. Because you set the bar so high and then it's like, I can't, um, I can't overcome this. Right. Right. So that you're going to go through challenges. You're go- you're going to go through setbacks. You're going to have derailers. Um, you're going to have um, people who are naysayers in your life mm. and, and you're going to fail at some point in time. If you look at any successful entrepreneur or CEO um, or anybody for that matter, they didn't always um, get to that success with a straight line that's going that's straight right. up. That's to right. It. There are going to be some um, valleys and turns in that um on that journey. So definitely give yourself permission and learn, find the lesson in it. You are supposed to learn something from whatever that experience is. That is excellent. Find yeah. the lesson in it. Find the lesson. That puts you in a positive um, mode of thinking right there. Right, for sure. If you find the lesson in whatever that challenge is, um, then you've gone through that experience for a reason. You know, that test that you experience is only a setup for your testimony afterwards. So you you have to (laughs) find whatever that is um, and learn from it. Very good. Well, Glenda, this has been a very positive experience. It has been enlightening, of course, in many areas. And it's also been informative. And so for that, I thank you. Um, Everything, everything that you spoke about today, all your uh, places that people can connect with you, your book, your website, your courses, everything will be on your post. And so people, as they listen, they can they can follow you. They can sign up for courses or whatever you have on your website. Do you have like 
um, do you do courses online as well, or is it strictly um, a physical course? Where you right have to now, be- right now, and it's not just physical. We do Skype sessions or Google Hangouts. Okay, okay. All yeah, right. we facilitate it in okay. a couple different right. ways. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I thank you again, and I thank you for those closing words. And you, as I said, you definitely has, have been an inspiration. And, oh. All right, thank you again. Appreciate Great. it. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.